0: Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the world of wine, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we're going to focus on North Africa and the three countries of Algeria, Morocco, and Tunisia. And these are three countries which we don't necessarily associate with the production of quality wine, but which have a long history of wine production, and quite an important one too, because of the French connection. These were countries uh, once occupied by France up until the 1960s, and there was a lot of wine produced in these countries, especially Algeria, for consumption in France, but most importantly, for blending with French wines to give them more colour and more depth. Once France left these countries, again particularly Algeria, wine production uh, lowered drastically because there was no domestic domestic demand for wine, and also because the French had left and the French um, colonizers were not there to drink the wine, and also because the French were no longer using the local wine to beef up their own wines. So a difficult history in terms of wine production in these three countries, but they're nevertheless of great interest historically. We'll start by looking at Algeria, which in these days is the least important of the three countries in terms of wine production, because it's the most Islamic of the three countries and therefore produces not that much wine. And the figures in wine production and wine consumption are quite astonishing when you look at Algeria. When back in the 1950s it was the world's biggest exporter of wine and now very little wine is produced and that is because of the, the of France leaving the country and also because of the um, Islamic culture. But just to give you an idea of how much vines were planted in Algeria, in 1872, there were 17,000 hectares of vines planted, but the French phylloxera crisis meant that the French winemakers turned to Algeria, and by 1890, just over just 18 years later, there were 110,000 hectares planted, which is more than there is in Germany right now. By 1938, there were 400,000 hectares of plantings in Algeria. So a huge amount, and most of that was for exports, or for um, blending with French wines, as I mentioned. By the 2000s, This had been reduced to 65,000 hectares and 60% of those were for table grapes, so a very small amount of grapes being planted for the production of wine. The grapes that were planted back in the 1950s and 1960s were Rhone grapes with that warm Mediterranean climate similar to the Rhone and also given the fact that a lot of these wines were going to be used in France Uh, So there's 140,000 hectares of Carignan in 1962, 75,000 hectares of Alicante Boucher, 60,000 hectares of Sanso, and 10,000 hectares of Grenache. And these wines weren't just used for blending with Rhone wines, they're even used for Burgundy, giving you an idea that the history of French wine is not all about quality. These wines were made on a semi-industrial scale, with fast fermentations and early bottling. This was just about bulk product rather than quality. Algeria is also responsible for the auto-vinification, the the fermentation technique, which doesn't need any electricity, which generates the power by using the heat from the the, the fermentation, something that's been used in Portugal as well from the 1970s for the production of port, and that ferments the wines quite quickly and extracts lots of colour and tannin to produce these bigger styles of wine. Since um, independence, Algeria, like Morocco and Tunisia, has seen the wine industry really dominated by the state, and given that the state has become increasingly Islamic, there's been less interest in wine. But there has been some minor expansion, with Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Ceremo, Verdre, Chardonnay being planted, and also Unibelong and Claret to dominate white plantings. And there has been an opening up of regulations, which has resulted in growth, with um, a small amount of volume and value growth. And also Algeria is a significant produ- producer of cork. So of all those vines which are planted, 65% of them are in western Algeria. And the climate is Mediterranean, with mild winters and hot, dry, sunny summers, with four to 600 millimetres of rain annually. And this is a climate which is similar to southern and eastern Spain, um, and it's quite near Spain, so there's no surprise there. So a warm climate which is producing these big robust reds, historically just for mass production rather than quality, and then in contemporary terms not that much focus on quality and very small plantings. So Algerian wine is not as significant as Moroccan wine, which is of the three countries we're discussing in this episode, is the one with the most uh, potential for quality and also the one you're most likely to see on the international market. Morocco has high mountains with a cooling Atlantic influence, and again, it was the French who brought the large-scale scale wine production to Morocco. And so Morocco, like Algeria, had a big influence in the world's wine trade, producing a lot of wine for consumption and use in France, as well as internationally. They're not as important as Algeria, but still significant. Um, It gained its independence a little earlier than Algeria and a little more peacefully as well. With independence in 1956, there were 55,000 hectares of plantings in Morocco. So no way near as big as Algeria, but still a significant amount. But with independence, expertise, capital, and also domestic consumption left with the French. So all the domestic consumption before independence was for the French colonizers. And once they left, there was no one really left to drink the wine. And then exports were decimated by... um, EU laws in 1967 and vineyards were replaced with cereal crops. In the 70s and 80s, remaining vineyards were taken over by the states, so again that state influence, and they controlled sales and prices of wines and grapes, so again no um, ambition for quality. By the 1990s, there were 40,000 hectares of grapes, but only 13,000 of those were um, for vinifera, or actually for wine. The rest were table grapes, and of those, 13,000 hectares, half of them were old and unproductive. And so again, a complete decline in quality and levels of production. And that was all controlled by the state as well. And the only independent producer was Brahim Zaniba, who um, actually has 90% share of the domestic market. He encouraged um, the appellation system and pioneered varietal wines, such as making wines from quality grape varieties. And after that, there was foreign investment to revive the rural economy, um, especially coming from Bordeaux and thousands of hectares were replanted with better varieties, and also improvements in winemaking technique with temperature control, bottling vinification plants, and also the use of oak. So in line with many of the developments in the 1990s, for countries which, even in Europe, Spain and Italy, which have been using old-fashioned fermentation techniques, a vast improvement in quality. In Morocco, 75% of wine is red, Carignan is the grape which historically dominated, So again, lots of influence coming from the French and the Languedoc, where Carignan was the most important grape, with um, high levels of quantity without there being much quality. But now Sanso has really um, risen, uh, maintaining its acidity in the hot climate. And there's some pretty good rosé made from Sanso, labelled Van Gris, following the French example, and that's actually 20% of all production in Morocco. Other grapes important, Alicante, Boucher and Grenache, so again those Rhone grapes. And Cabernet, Sauvignon, Merlot and Syrah, also now being planted in actually account between the three of them for 15% of plantings. And then there's Claret and Muscat as well, with experiments with Chenin Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay. The appellation system is modelled on the French, it's called Appellation d'origine garantie, so guaranteed um, origin. And these rules um, delimit the area of production and set maximum yields, but do not dictate great varieties, so something different from the French, and it doesn't really guarantee quality, just um, the place. Mostly, these uh, appellations are in the cooler, fertile northern regions, and these regions are recognised by the EU, which is important for exports, and um, exports are clearly very significant for the Moroccan wine industry because of low domestic consumption. The finest appellation, or the one with the greatest reputation, is the Meknes region, which is um, in the middle atlas and 600 metres high. In general, it's a semi-arid Mediterranean climate, but the Atlas Mountains and the Atlantic do create cool mesoclimates. climates The summers are hot with very little rainfall during the growing season, and drought can be a problem. The winds from the Atlantic can be very strong, up to 65 kilometres per hour. Irrigation is used because of the um, arid conditions, and usually drip irrigation. And now vine trellising and row orientation are more common, so actually training the vines in order to control yield, but also um, levels of production. The amount of wine that is produced is 400,000 hectolitres a year, so not very much. But there is demand for wine from the tourist industry. Morocco does have a greater tourist industry than Algeria, and also the urban elites of Morocco. Technically, the sale of alcohol is to Muslims is prohibited, but it's not actually applied outside Ramadan, and not, that is not something which people approve of. And Morocco, like Algeria, has a strong cork industry, obviously important for wine industry. Finally, Tunisia, which isn't far from Sicily in Italy, and so a similar warm climate, again, once an important producer. Now, uh, the state is encouraging um, quality, uh, mainly for exports and for tourists as well. So there has been an increase in quality recently, but again on a very small amount. So again, like Morocco, it was occupied by the French until 1956, and again independence was followed by a decline in expertise. There was simply no one there to make the wine, and also no one there to drink it domestically. So by the 2000s, there were just 26,000 hectares of vines planted in Tunisia, and 15,000 of those were for uh, wine, with the rest being for table. But there has been recent investment from the state but also from outside as well. Italians, Swiss, German and Austrians have invested in the country. The grapes, again in this warm Mediterranean climate, Carignan, Mourvèdre, Sanso, Alicante Boucher, Grenache, Syrah Merlot, some mainly Rome grapes with some Bordeaux grapes in there as well, some Chardonnay and Muscat for whites. There is an Appalachian system which is based, based on the French system, in order to control quality. That climate, um, 250 to 500 millimetres rainfall, which is actually mostly in the mid-autumn. So um, that Mediterranean influence is more autumnal rather than the winter rain. But unsurprisingly, in this warm climate, the coolest regions are on the coast and the ocean breezes have a cooling influence which helps for the production of quality wine. And there is potential in Tunisia, especially for red wine, which are going to be powerful and lots of flavour and very rich because of the warm climate. And like Morocco, it really depends on how equipped the wineries are, how modern their winemaking techniques and winemaking equipment are for the production of good quality wine. And the best regions are to the east, where there's more of a coastal influence. To the west, it's much hotter. And these are where the, the biggest wines, but also the lowest quality wines are made. Not necessarily because it's hot and the wines are big, but also because there's less equipment and less advanced technology being used to control fermentation and to really produce balanced wines. Going further east to Grombalia to Monag, which is just southwest of Tunis and Tebora which is also west of the city. This is where there's much more of a um, cooling influence coming from the Mediterranean and the wines are going to be more balanced and also there's been more investment here as well to help improve quality. And so this all suggests that red wine is the um, the most made wine in Tunisia. In fact, it's actually rosé, with 60 to 70 percent of the wine being rosé, 25 to 30 percent red, and less than 10 percent of it being white. And that rosé, again, is in that Van Gris style. Exports are important, with 30 percent of wine being exported, but also that's actually um, a lower amount than you might think. But a lot of tourists go to Tunisia, especially the cap- the capital city of Tun- Tunis, which, um, and those tourists are obviously going to drink a lot of wine, and they'll drink local, domestic wine. And so the wine industry really does rely on tourists, but that's why there's been that investment, because those tourists are there to drink the wine. So those are the three important countries of North Africa. Lots of history, extremely connected with the French, for better and for worse, with those high volumes of wine being made in the late nineteenth 19- and. Um, early to mid 20th centuries for the French, both the French living in those countries, but also for the French market, and since then there's been a very steady decline but there is still wine being made in these countries and it's worth looking out for them on the market, particularly those of Morocco just to find out what what is going on there, and what the potential is, because it is about potential rather than realised actuality So thank you for listening, this is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink